Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. So good to be home. <laughs> you know, I, I used to watch The Wizard of Oz when I was young. I still watch it. <laughs> and I put my glass slippers on, tried to click them together, and there's no place like home, and I broke them this morning. <laughs> You'll get it. You have to watch The Wizard of Oz to get that, I guess. The older ones know what I'm talking about. The younger ones, you got to watch the... If I tell you the whole thing, you'll know the plot, and I just can't do that to you. Of course, the guy behind the curtain's a fake. (laughs) But I want to thank Pastor Ed for his confidence in me. You know, I I tell people, it's hard for a pastor to leave someone behind their, their pulpit because he don't want to come back Monday morning and straighten up the yard. You know what I mean? Something worse when you got company and they mess the yard up for you and you got to come back and fix everything. That won't happen this morning, I guarantee it. Uh, while I'm speaking about some things, go ahead and open up your holy cell phones to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And those of you that still carry the word of God, <laughs> Acts chapter 10. Hallelujah. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. I want to do a little bit of catching up this morning and uh, to tell you where we're at. So we found a little church on, on uh, Mount Carmel Road, Pastor Troy Short. We've been there and uh, working with him now. He's put me on with one of his associates, and uh, I've been doing their worship for the past six months. So I raised up a team, and they're doing the worship now, and I still lead every once in a while. I play the piano for him at altar time. Yes, Brother Wayne, I do keep it tuned now, and uh, it does make sense. <laughs> so, but I want to tell you this, that God is so good. So we're in, we're in our new home in Fawn Grove, Pennsylvania. We've only been in there about a month. My granddaughter, Kensley, is two years old, and she's such a troublemaker. You know, we were happy in Kingsville. I was fine there. I was fine coming to Eastern Assembly of God, and I was really happy. We've been here over 40 years. And then Kensley came along, and she calls me to sell my home, go crazy like a madman for nine months, and build a new home. And now I'm next door to Kensley, and we now have Bradley. He's my man. I love him. And now Renee, my daughter Renee, they're praying for them. They're getting ready to start a new assignment in Connecticut. It's two hours closer to us. Now they, we have uh, three grandchildren because they have Jackson, and Jackson's being adopted by them. And now they have his sister Melinda. And it looks like we're going to be keeping Melinda. Of course, my daughter called me uh, this week, and we had a two-hour conference and at the end of the conference, I said, what is, really, is there any choice to make? This little girl needs you. So after a weekend, what they've made the decision. So we have Melinda, and we have Grayson. We need to pray for Grayson. We're not quite sure where Grayson's going to be. We think we might lose him in July. Now, for a mother that's adopting, that's just like losing your child to death, except they're still alive. So what we're praying for that situation. My wife, Phyllis, is here. She hasn't aged a bit. Now listen, so I, I should have called uh, Victoria. I should have called you this morning to see what Chris was wearing. I was trying to dress cool. I had a tie out. I was going to wear a tie. Or I even ironed a shirt. I was like, I'm going to wear a tie, you know. And I thought, well, Pastor Chris, what would he be wearing this morning? You know, and I was like, well, I'll try to dress cool. But I'll tell you guys, I'm not wearing them skinny jeans. That's just the way it is, okay? That ain't happening. <laughs> not with this guy. That ain't happening. But if you'll stand with me, of Acts 10, 
We'll talk about the ministry, what God is doing. I want to thank Eastern Assembly of God. You guys support me every month, and I've already been paid this morning, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> and you can throw me out now. It wouldn't matter. I got paid. See you later, right? I'm just going to lunch early. I'm going to say hello to my dear friend, Miss Pat Elkringham and Joyce. I just love you guys so much. I just do. And where's my mom? I know my mom's here. She's on the other side. She's visiting. And our dear neighbors, Mr. Miss Tony and Mr. Gene, are you here? Oh, praise the Lord. They're my dear friends. We grew up together. Miss Tony used to take us in his roadrunner to school in sixth grade. Am I telling the truth? Mr. Gene, he had that roadrunner, and he'd take it to the racetrack and run it. He took, a Har- he took a Honda and turned it into a Harley and painted flames on it. <laughs> he did. I mean, I'm just telling you. Acts chapter 10, we'll go into this. Listen, to this morning, the title of this is A Memorial Before God. I want to read that this morning. Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. Now, I am going to Vinny's today. Uh huh. I'm going to get me some Italian. Here we go. He was a devout man. One who feared God with all of his household, who gave generously to people and prayed to God. In about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid. And he said to him, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers... And your alms, your giving, have come up as a memorial before God. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for who you are. Bless us, Lord. Speak to us in your name. Amen. You can sit down. Don't worry. I don't know much Spanish. I was just helping out my Spanish people here this morning. I'll talk a little Kenyan. I talk enough Kenyan to get me in trouble. Pastor Mike says to me, who I work with in Africa, he says, you know, he says, my English is better than your Swahili. <laughs> He's so right. <laughs> so let me tell you what we've been doing. So Brother Casey, are you here this morning? I know he travels and camps a lot. He knew I was coming in town, so he went camping. I know how he is. But the last time I spoke to you, we, Casey and I had just come back from Africa. And because of COVID, we, we, we haven't traveled this year, but we haven't stopped working there. In fact, I'm going to tell you, we've touched more people from my office than I did probably in the next the past five, four years. I spoke in my church two weeks ago and they Facebook Live. They put me on national television. We are now in Uganda, Tanzania, and Africa, and we went hit over a million people. That was just two weeks ago. <laughs> Friday morning, I got up at 3.30 in the morning, and Pastor Mike invited 600 Muslim people to his church. And I got to preach to them and tell them that Jesus is the light of the world. See, Muslim people pray three times a day, show me the way of the light. And I simply told them, Jesus said, he's the light. Hallelujah. We had people healed in that service. I'm still getting reports back. We went, we put, we went on the radio station into thousands of people, and we're still getting reports from the radio station of people that have been healed. So I want to tell you this. God promised me in this church many years ago, on a Wednesday night, I was here, 
And I was teaching. And the Lord stopped me in the middle of my message and said, I will heal people while you speak. I've had more people get healed than I've touched with these hands. So I want to tell you, I claim that right now over you today. If you need a healing in your body, God will heal you as I speak. And now we're going to pray at the end. But I want to just tell you, I don't believe you have to wait all service for your healing. That he's here. And when he's here, healing's in the room. Hallelujah. That's who he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now, when I go in September, I need to baptize over a thousand Muslim people. Pastor Mike said, I'll do it. They said, no, we want Simba to do it. They call me Simba in Africa. So we went into the mosque. I was there. And God told me in May 2015 to 2019 to buy a cow. He just said, buy one cow. And the first person to buy the first cow was Sister Howard, who's a dear friend of mine. I got saved on her ministry when I was six years old at Bethel Assembly of God right in Edgemere. And I went up to see her, and she was the first cat, bought the first cow. And a lady asked me, do you put the cow on the plane? No. We buy them there. Cows are way too noisy for airplanes. And right now, I can't get a mask on one. <laughs> and I have to milk it before it goes on because they, you know, they weigh my bags. <laughs> so we've bought 18 cows before I got there. And that one cow, that one cow, God does miracles. <clears throat> so in May, before I was going to go, I got a call from Pastor Mike. And he said, I want you to meet someone. And what he introduced me to is the imam for the city of Nakuru. He's like the pope of the Muslim community. And I said, Mike, give that man a cow. It was just the Lord working. Because of that cow, I got to speak into the mosque. The next day, the president's wife called me from Kenya and said, sir, you have changed history. We've never had a white man or a Christian in one of our mosques. Before we left there, we had 500 Muslim people who give their hearts to Christ. <laughs> Jesus. So Friday, I spoke to 600 of them. And Pastor Mike said, if you give me your Koran, I'll give you a bottle. We gave 362 Bibles out on Friday. That's all from my office. Wait till I get there in September and watch what we do when I'm in person. Because now we've invited to Uganda in Tanzania. And I've been to Tanzania many times with Pastor Dare Everett. You know him. And But because they took the message that I spoke in the mosque and they've been playing it on the radio and to other countries. Now I've been asked to come to, to those countries and share the gospel. I was on my balcony in Africa and there was a lady came by on a bicycle tacky, ta taxi and she was a Muslim lady, full garb, dressed in her robes. And the Lord spoke to me, said, you'll have great favor with the Muslim people in this country. When God says something to me, he'll answer me supernaturally and he'll do that for you and I'll explain that this morning in a moment. And so uh, the morning that they ordained me in Africa, they laid me on a draft uh, a, a zebra skin rug and they laid me down and they poured oil over my head when I came off of that ground I was not the same man while I was speaking there and got done speaking a lady walked in off the street and pastors bugged me said she's Muslim wants to give her heart to Christ I didn't even know she was there because God answers when he answers he answers supernaturally that's who he is come on Hallelujah. So now there's 
Over 500 Muslim people wait for me to come in September and baptize them. Can't wait. But I want to go into this. Listen, I want to go into this now. I want to get into this. And we'll talk some more about Africa as we go. Now, listen, there's a new policy change. Pastor's not here. There's no time limits on the speaker. (laughs) You want God to work or not? You want to hear from him this morning? Come on, now it's going to get at it. Listen, I am considered an elder. I did not say I was old. I'm just an elder. I refuse to say I'm old. (laughs) I didn't say that I was an old man. But in my life's journey, I am now considered an elder. And the Bible says this, that there's ways that you can prosper the generation in front of you to come up. And if a man wants to prosper, he needs to be devout. He needs to fear the Lord. He needs to give generously. The Lord spoke to my spirit this week. This reason I'm into this word, this message, this is the message that I believe God has for the church. Church in whole. And I'm, I'm going to preach this on the radio in Kenya, and it'll go to thousands. But this man, he was a generous man. He was devout. And the Bible says in Acts 2, 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, God says, that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, do you know why your old men dream dreams? Because they need more sleep than the young men. That's why. You wait for something big and spiritual, didn't you? My wife tells me, I can't believe it. She comes in a room, the light's on. Five minutes later, I'm out. The other day, happened again. And that was at the dinner table. <laughs> but listen, so in the book of Titus, I want to talk to the elder. I want to talk to the young, the old, you old people, <laughs> not me. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you this morning. Listen to this. In the book of Titus, for this reason I left you that you should set in order to the things that are lacking. This morning, God has put me in a place to put in order the things that are lacking in your life right now. That's why I'm here. And appointed elders in every city as I commanded you, if a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, I'm not Mormon, having faithful children, not accused of, 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 of insubordination, for a bishop. Now listen, the Lord is calling me this, a bishop. Now, I don't like titles. I don't give myself titles. But the Lord, according to his word, I'm a bishop. Must be the blameless, a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick to tempered, not given into wine, not violence, not greedy for money, hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast to the faithful word that he has been taught that he may be able to be a sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convict those that contradict. So I have a responsibility, older women and men, to convict. Now, not to chastise but to let gently, hey, I I know that you're struggling with something. So if you're convicted this morning, I'm responsible for that. But I'm here this morning to set those things that are lacking in your life. The Bible says that the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. 
Do you want to know when you pray that God hears you? I never saw anybody stand and say, I don't want God to hear me. I'm just saying it. (laughs) You want God to hear you. So number one, he was a devout man. Let's talk about why. He was religious, godly. Now this morning, I want to give you God's definition of religious. That's what I want to give you this morning. But I know the Lord has set apart himself, him who is godly. The Lord will hear them when they call. He remembers his covenant forever. The word has commanded for a thousand generations. Do you know this? If you're devout, God will honor your seed for a thousand generations. Huh? Come on. Amen. There we go. I love it. So let's give God's definition. I want you to turn to Matthew 5. And let's talk about the Beatitudes. Hmm? Blessed are those that are poor. This is, this is Matthew 5, 3. Blessed those that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let me tell you something. To be religious means you must have compassion. Mourn over those that don't know the Lord. Now, my friend Dale Everett, who's worked with Many pastors, one of them was Brother Shambach, if you wouldn't remember him if you're young, but I'll tell you, my dad used to listen to him on the radio. Brother Shambach reached millions of people in Africa. And prominent healing ministry, God did so many things. Well, Brother Dale, who I travel with, he was in Brother Shambach's staff, and he actually pastored Brother Shambach's church for 17 years. But Brother Dale said this to me. Now listen, I'm not saying it. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not pumping myself. I'm just telling you what he said. He said, Dan, I have worked for all these men. In all these years I've been in ministry, over 40 years. He said, but I've never seen a man that has the compassion that you have. Because God will give you what you ask for. And the reason I got in missions is because I've been to ask God to give me compassion. You know how he gave me compassion? Through suffering. I watched my father die. My mom and I, we changed his diapers. You have a choice when God, when something happens to when you're loved, you can get bitter or you can get compassionate. And it showed me what's suffering. And it began to pray, God, lead me to those that need you. I was over, I was a policeman for 21 years. I now have 30 some years of law enforcement experience. I'm still a background investigator for the police department. And I was on the west end of the county and I'd just gotten promoted. And I was in this house, and I was walking through this house, and it was dark. I had my flashlight. I was by myself. Back then, we handled it ourselves. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> no backup. I walk in the house, flashlight. I go downstairs. In the basement, there's a man laying there dead with just his underwear on in cat feces. I saw that, and I said, Lord, oh, boy, be careful what you ask for. Help me to get to them before they get there. Boy, did he do something. So now we've been in 14 countries. I don't know how many people have been saved as a result of the I really don't know. The Lord told me this year, Pastor Mike and I, we're going to three countries this year. He said, you won't be able to count the ones that are going to come to me through your ministry. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the Lord says, and he always answers my prayers. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Pastor Ed always says, if you want to rise up, stay down. He tells me that all the time before I go on any trips. You know, I talk to him probably first. He always says, Dan, stay down. Stay down. You're never going to be devout by pumping yourself up. But if you walk in humility, walk in humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Having Just having that compassion on others. On others. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's levels of poverty. And I, I went to Mexico, and they said, you won't see anybody poorer than that. I said, okay. I went to Haiti, and they said, oh, that's the place they're most poor. Okay. Belize, Germany, and then he sent me to Africa, and I found the poorest. If you can't have compassion on ones that are around you that are needing, you're never going to hear from the Lord. God has placed people in your life, and you have a responsibility for them, and to be kept compassionate for those that are suffering and hurting. We think by fasting we get so spiritual. God, you saw me not eat at McDonald's this week. I fasted. Mm -hmm. God, I did not take the extra helping of mashed potatoes because I'm spiritual. But in the book of Isaiah chapter 58, God gives his definition of fasting. And he said, those that go and heal the brokenhearted have fasted. See, your fasting's not in ripping your clothes as they would do. They would wrench their clothes, put ashes on, thought they were so spiritual. And God said, that's not fasting. You think by taking something from your body that you have fasted. But he says in Isaiah 58, I'm going to give you my fasting. And my fasting is when you reach out to the poor, when you, when you deal with the brokenhearted. And Brother Sam, the last prison, we had 8,000 men. I put four cows in there. We fed them for Christmas. Now, Brother Sam's in the prison ministry. Brother Sam, I got 10 cows in all the prisons. Our milk gives more milk than anyone. One's named Betsy from a little girl. The church gave me a cow in West Virginia. A little girl came up and said, you got to name her Betsy. So Betsy's in one of the prisons that I go to all the time. And my daughter Kensley's cow's in another prison. And I got to name the other 10 because Pastor Mike just told me we now have 10 cows in the prisons. See, the ladies bring their babies with them to prison. So we're giving them milk. Come on. You desire sacrifice, and I would have given it. You desired a burnt offering. But the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. It's that spirit that says, Lord, forgive me, Lord, a sinner. Lord, help me, God. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Walking in obedience to God. Come on. You want to be devout, listen what the word says. Don't be only a hearer of God's word, but do God's word. Listening to what he says. Righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness, the definition is conformity to a certain self set of expectations which vary from role to role. Righteousness is fulfilling the expectations of any relationship, whether it be with God or other people. 
It was appropriate at all levels of society relevant to the area of life. Therefore, righteous denotes a fulfillment expectations in relationship between man and his wife, husband and wife, how you treat her, parents to their children, fellow citizens, me to you, and listen to this, being a good employee and a good employer. You can't say that I'm devout and you're the laziest one on the job. Oh, that hurt, didn't it? <laughs> I got paid, so I'm saying what I want. <laughs> you can't be a devout and treat your employees like they're slaves. Hmm? Then, depending on the fulfillment of one's expectation, it's an individual that could be called righteous, and his or her acts of speech could be designated as righteous. So the opposite of righteousness is evil. So which are you? Are you righteous or are you evil? Hmm, that's a big question. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Walking in forgiveness. Now listen to me. I've dealt with, I'll say this, thousands of people all over the world. I've been around the world nine times. Miss Tony, aren't you glad you took me on that road runner to sixth grade? I got enough education to travel. She's laughing back here. Here she was, man. She was cool, man. Here here, Miss Tony. She was just cool. She could drive that road runner, you know. It was actually it was a Chevy. Uh, Mr. Gene said, no, it's not right. It was a Chevy. It was a, the, uh, it'll get to me, the SS. Paint it red. Candy apple red. She didn't know she was driving us. Redheaded little boy who God would use to touch the world. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God Amen. walking in holiness. The Lord spoke to my spirit. He said, COVID has done something to my church. It's made them lazy and they don't fear me. Listen to me. When you lose your fear of God, everything else will drop off. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That's walking in peace with everyone. We need it, don't we? Don't we need it? Blessed are the persecu those that persecute you for righteousness' sakes. That is walking in boldness. Telling people who you are, that you love the Lord. You love Jesus. Let them know. Don't be ashamed of that. Because the Lord said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you when I put you before my Father. Amen. Come on. Blessed are those that revile and persecute you. All, all kinds of evil they say against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be glad for your rewards in heaven. Oh, my, I can't wait. Can you? Now, listen. But for you, ladies... I already worked on the men. I'm going to work on the ladies a little bit. Be sober-minded and reverent. Get the husband's dinner when he wants it. It doesn't say that. Be tempered, sound in faith, love, and patient. To the older woman, likewise, that they be reverent in their behavior. There's nothing worse than a woman that's acting like a baby. We've all seen it. Not be slanderous, not given into much wine. Don't worry, my wife won't drink any wine. <laughs> Teachers of good things, 
that admonish young women to love their husbands. Well, we don't live in a, we never lived in such a time where we need more women to stand up and say, this is how you love your husband. This is how you take care of him. I can tell you, we've been married for 43 years. My wife knows how to take care of her husband. I can tell you that. She does. Be a homemaker, good, obedient to their husbands. And that's the husband that's living godly. Amen. Likewise, exhort young men to be sober-minded young men, showing yourself a pattern of good works. Young men, I want to tell you something. The most important you have, thing you have is your integrity and is your responsibility to guard her integrity. Yes. Do you hear me? You have a responsibility, young men, to live sober. Come on. Are you still here? Hallelujah. Number two. He gave alms. Now listen, did you know giving was connected to your family being saved? Huh? It is. He said your prayers and alms became a memorial before God. He was a man that gave to the poor. Everything that he did, he made sure he gave and he gave to the poor. Come on. Blessed is thee who consider the poor, for the Lord will deliver them in their time of trouble. He who pities the poor lends to God, and he will repay as it is given. You mean to tell me, Pastor Dan, that if I give to the poor that God owes me? Yes. Pastor Mike always says to me, God is in debt to you, Pastor Dan, because you give to the poor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But your prayer has become a memorial before me. You see, my DNA is even in my daughters. My daughter, uh, Renee, is in ministry. They're adopting four children, three children. Told you Melinda now, Jackson and Grayson. And my other daughter's a corporal in the police department. So there's my DNA. Come on. He said, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the king answered him, said to them, As surely I say to you, as much as you did to the least of these, you have did unto me. So when you give, when you give, God is in debt. And you've done it unto him. Amen. He didn't say, I, I take delight in a cheerful tither. He said, I take delight in a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. Number three, he feared God. And fearing God is the key to understanding. Do you know that? With all his household, they feared him. Now he sent men to Joppa and sent Simon, who was a, a surname Peter. You know, we've heard about Peter. So he, Peter, was in a room, didn't know who Cornelius was. Cornelius is praying, God, I want my family to be saved. And he sent the most unlikely person to his home. And that was a Jewish man that had nothing to do with, with anyone that was outside the Jewish nation. And Lord had to send him a vision. He sent him a vision of animals that we weren't allowed to eat according to Jewish custom. And he said, Lord, I'm not going to eat that thing. 
He said, the Lord told him, don't you call anything unclean that I've called pure. Now listen to me. Stop looking at people because you think on the outside, they just, well, look at that. You need to look into that heart as God does and say, God has called them pure. God has called them pure. Even though they're living like that, you have sons and daughters that are addicted to drugs and these things. But God doesn't see them that way. He doesn't see them that way because they are his creation. And he said, when I saw it, it was good. Come on. Listen to me. He understood fear. And so Peter, a man least likely, showed up at his doorstep. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and and a good understanding of having all those who do his commands, his praises endure forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now this week I had an epiphany. I can't even spell it, but I had one. <laughs> Brother Rajawana, who was one of the founders of this church, who, who was here when Brother Rajawana was? The numbers are getting slim here. I see, I see, three, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Anyway, he used to say to me, Brother, you know, Brother, Brother, someone that's dumb and doesn't know it are really dumb. Well, this week, I mean, he told me that 25 years ago, and I just got it. <laughs> and Lord, remind me of that. I text George Senior. He doesn't call me back. George Senior. I said, hey, call me. I got an epiphany. You're dead. You know, maybe he can't spell epiphany. Maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe I didn't spell it right when I sent the message. I don't know. But anyway, and here it is. We have educated men that are leading countries. We have educated men that are leading leading people so educated, but so dumb. Know nothing about the things of God. So what that tells me, they're dumb and don't know it, and I'm a genius. Because I know the secrets of life of who Jesus is. I know who he is, and I've watched him. I watched him use these hands. I had a little girl who was 14 years old, never walked in her life. I was in Tanzania with Brother Dale. She never walked in her life, and I watched the Lord grow her hands in my hands. He's still the healer. He's not afraid of pandemics. He doesn't get distressed over you. He doesn't worry. Come on. Fear God. Fear God is the beginning of wisdom. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with you, you may live long on the earth. Our young people are dying too soon. Because they have no fear of God or their parents. Fear of God exposes the enemy's plans for your life. Do you know that? It does. The fear of God brings you understanding in difficult situations and decisions you have to make. The fear of God brings peace to your home. Come on. You have reason to fear him now? Brings peace to your home. The fear of God brings safety and comfort to your home. Come on. I found the two key things that are important to leading my family. And that's knowledge and discernment. 
And it comes by fearing the Lord. My daughters know when they went to dad, no meant no. Your children need to know when you say no, that's it. But let me tell you something. They'll never fear your correction if you don't fear men and women, if you don't fear God. You have to fear the Lord before your parents, your children would even respect you. My daughters went on more mission trips than vacations, and they know what it is to serve the Lord. Listen to this. So likewise, young men, be sober-minded. I can't stress that enough. Be sober-minded. The angel Lord encamps around those that fear him. I want to know that God is with me. Come on. I want to know he's around me. He's with me. I want to know. Now listen to this. And he prayed to God always. Relax, it's my last point. He said, four days ago I was fasting with his, within that hour, and then a ninth hour I prayed in my household, and a man that stood before me with bright clothing, an angel of the Lord God sent. Can I tell you this? When you pray to God, prayer will bring a supernatural response from God. Did you hear what I said? Prayer brings a supernatural response to your problems. Something you, no way, God, I can get out of this thing. But prayer brings supernatural response to an answer to your problems. I'm telling you, it does. How can this little boy is six years old, freckle, freckle face, red, bright red hair. I had hair then. Bright red hair. And God's moved him all around the world to touch thousands of people's lives. Over a million people two weeks ago, we spoke into their lives. Because my dad feared the Lord and prayed. He was devout. My, his children and children served the Lord because my dad served the Lord. He was a devout man and he prayed. Amen. And he gave. Yes. He did. He gave and he prayed. And now his sons, his son is traveling all over the world reaching people for Jesus. Amen. Come on. That's the testimony this morning. Being devout. But he prayed. He prayed. Prayer brings a covering of the Holy Spirit on your home. Did you hear me? And, of course, watch what you bring in your home. Don't see any more about that. Hallelujah. So about the ninth hour, this angel stands before Cornelius and said, Cornelius, the very throne room of God has heard you this morning. He heard you when you cried out and you prayed for your family. Now I'm sending help because you're devout. You love me and you fear me. Now I'm going to send the promise to you. Hallelujah. The promises in the book are all mine as long as I fear him. And that's what it takes. Prayer and fasting. He said, I was praying and fasting. I told you, Isaiah 58, when you have time, read that. God's definition of fasting. It's giving of yourself to others. We think, oh, I just—I didn't eat all week, fast, Lord. I lost all this weight, and I have fasted, Lord. Now bring your blessing to me. That's not how it works. Fasting, let me tell you this. Fasting will cause you to fast. Let me explain it to you. Fasting, prayer and fasting will cause you to fast God's way. Because in your moment, when you've denied yourself some things, God can be able to speak to your heart. Push some things aside. God will speak to your heart. Then he'll tell you what I want you to do. 
And that's what I love about the Lord. When I spend time with him, that's when he tells me what I should do. Amen. Amen. Listen, Brother Wayne, would you come? The righteous cry out to the Lord and delivers them out of their troubles. Come on. How many need the Lord this morning? You got some trouble in your life right now. It needs to change. Huh? But know the Lord has set apart himself. The Lord will hear them when I call. Jesus, hear my cry, O Lord. Psalm, write this down, Psalm 61, 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O Lord. Attend to my prayer, Lord. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed. God, I mean, I don't know which way to turn. This whole pandemic's put us in such a state, Lord. No, people know they're afraid. The Bible says in the last time, perilous times will come to the earth. And men's heart will fail them for the fear of what's coming. That's been happening this year. Do you know that? And I'm going to tell you something. That man walked. He was so instrumental in my life. And he's spoken to this young man. He was such a mentor to me. Every time we're back here fixing food, Walt's given his little bit. He went to be with Jesus this year. But men like him spoken to this young man. He was devout and he loved the Lord and he gave to the poor. That was my friend Walt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When I'm overwhelmed, Lord, I don't know which way to turn. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Come on. Is that not what we need? God, I'm so overwhelmed by all these things that have I lost loved ones. I've lost this. I've lost that, God. But I'm so overwhelmed, Lord. But lead me to you, God. Lead me to you. Young men, you have families. Fear the Lord. And your children will be remembered for a thousand generations. Older women, encourage your young women. Older men, be kind. You know, the Bible says when you tell someone about him, do it with gentleness and fear. It's a whole lot of different aspects of what we used to. We used to think we had to beat them on the head with our Bibles. That's why we stopped carrying Bibles. We got cell phones, you know. I'm going to beat you with this Bible, boy, if you don't get up out of that floor right now. But he said, do it with gentleness. Yeah, that kid's having a rough time right now, but treat him gentle. Hmm? I was in Nakora, Kenya. And they sent me to it. They said, Dan, Pastor Dan, you're going to a prayer breakfast. I said, okay. I got there. There's 150 men, boys, addicted to drugs and alcohol. And I was getting ready to speak, and they're playing on their cell phones. They ain't even hearing me. And I went like this. Put them phones down. They dropped them phones, and there's what they did. I had their ear. 
But I begin to speak to them of the love of the Father. By the time we got done, I hugged every 151 of those young men and said, I'm your dad right now, and I'm just going to tell you I'm going to hug you like a dad. Most of them had never been hugged. There was a man there. He was crippled from a motorcycle accident, and God instantly healed that man when I prayed for him. Pastor Mike said, oh, Simba, you just scare me. I yanked his crutches from him, and God healed him. Now, I don't recommend you doing that unless the Lord tells you, okay? But that man right now is, is studying to be a pastor who was addicted to alcohol. And the reason he was in that condition, he got in a bad motorcycle accident when he was drunk. God has healed him and restored him, and that man is now going to be a pastor. But when we got done that day, they, they saw this man get healed. They went out in the village and told their other friends, and they came in. It went on all day, church. And Pastor Mike just told me, he said, Dan, that church has more men in it than any of the churches that he, that he oversees. You can make a difference in someone's life. You just don't know. You've got to listen to what God has for you. But unless you fear him, unless you speak to him, unless you give of what you have, you will never see the things of God in your life. Hallelujah. God is so merciful. You need to think about where he brought you from. And where you're at today, what God has done, you have to be thankful for that. There's a dear pastor I work with. He said, I'd rather be seen than viewed. <laughs> You'll think about that. Would you stand with me this morning? I want all the uh, leaders of the church to come and stand in front for me. Any of the board members or leaders, teachers, I want you to come and stand right here in front of me. E-group leaders also, please. Come and stand and face the audience for me, please. If I have to pray for all these people, we're going to be all day. We're going to get some help. Because, see, I'm not the healer. <laughs> Jesus is. Now, before I bring you up, I want to give you a little lesson on healing and what to expect. The Bible says if you walk without faith, you can expect nothing from the Lord. It's like a sea that comes in, the waves come in and go out. You'll never expect anything. First thing you need to know about healing, expect it. It's part of your faith. There was a woman who was bleeding for many years, and she spent all her money and grew worse. You know the story. What you need to understand, that woman just didn't come up and touch that, that touch Jesus. Oh, here I am, Jesus. That's not what happened. That woman was crawling to him. She was bloody and dirty, and she was crawling to him because she was dying. She said, if I can just touch him. She expected it to happen. Huh? And the next thing, when God touches, you notice change immediately. I've never prayed for anyone and they, their back got healed and said, man, I'm so hurting. When their touch will say, man, that thing was hurt and it's gone. Huh? On my ordination in Africa, there was a lady came in with a stick completely blind. I'm just telling you, this is how God uses me. Completely blind in our ordination with her stick. After I prayed for her, she reached out and she took the pastor's hand. Now, do you know if I'm a liar or I'm going to tell you the truth? But I can take you and show them. There's a little boy right now at an orphanage. A clothes hanger grabbed his eye and ripped his eyeball. 
And I told Pastor Mike, God's going to heal that little boy right now. That little boy is getting a new education. We're putting him in school. And God completely restored that eye in a moment. Just a moment in that orphanage. That little boy sees completely well out of that eye. Now I'm going to give you this. Now, Pastor Chris, I know I'm running, but I'll close it for the third time. Things that seem impossible for men are possible for God. There was a man named Abraham and he went to Sunday school and he's 99 years old and he said, hey, we're going to have a baby. His wife's name was Sarah. She laughed at him. I'm in my years and I'm going to have pleasure and I'm going to have a baby. And the Sunday school teacher's telling the pastor, pastor, that guy Abraham's at it again. He's telling people they're going to have a baby now. First he said, you know, you'll be the father of many nations. He's in his tent. He's living in a tent. He don't even have a house. And then his son was born. I'm telling you, what you think is impossible for God is possible. With God, all things are possible. I don't care how long you've been suffering with that sickness or what was put on you or told to you. I'm telling you, there's a supernatural response when I pray. And he's here today to do a work. He's not here to waste my time and yours. He's here to do a work in you today. But we must, we must meet one thing first. I want you to bow your heads. Now listen to me. Pray this prayer, and I'm, I'm praying with you. Father, I need to learn to fear you. Forgive me, Lord, for being incomplacent. Forgive me, Lord, for doubting you. Lord, right now, I renew myself in you, Lord. I surrender all those things in my life, Lord, that I need to surrender right now. And I give them to you in Jesus' name. Forgive me, Lord.